It was one dark night in the garden. His friends, well, they were asleep. Jesus, he was fully awake, aware knowing what lay ahead. His soul troubled, yet he prays, Father, not as I will, but as you will. Then one of the twelve, who once followed, betrayed his master with a kiss. The Sanhedrin surrounded him, and Peter, well, he seeks to defend his master by striking his sword to cut off the ear of the servant. Jesus, taken away. No charges or wrongs, just Jesus, the perfect Son of God. He was mocked, spat upon, stripped and given a rope. Hail, King of the Jews, they cried, and they led him away to be crucified. Your sin and mine laid on the cross that he carried. On his back, the whips, on his head, the thorns. The crowd sat and watched, some mourned and some wept, an innocent death for their master and their friend. He was lifted upon the cross beside two criminals. Some shouted, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. But Jesus, he knew where he ought to be. The earth went dark, the curtain in two. And there he said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Into the tomb he went, but it wasn't there that he would stay. You see, darkness thought it had won, death thought it had the last say, but it didn't. That final breath turned out not to be his last because Jesus, well, he arose. 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 So the cross for me means grace, healing, and restoration. Um, In my life, I have done a lot of bad things, and I've had bad things happen to me as well. I lived my life without God, even when I knew that I shouldn't. I have hurt other people. I have done bad things and said bad things. I messed up every single day, and I continue to do so. But God extends his grace to me every single day. Like a lot of us, I have been hurt throughout my life. I have been abused a lot at different points in my life. I have had my heart broken. I have had people walk out of my life without any reasons or goodbyes. I have suffered through loneliness and struggled with anxiety. I have also struggled for most of my life with unforgiveness, which caused a lot of bitterness and anger. Now, this is not a woe-me story, definitely not. This is a story of God's beautiful grace, his faithfulness, strength, and his healing. So just because it was bad and because it felt bad doesn't mean that it doesn't serve a purpose. I am glad that I get to stand up here tonight shaking and all and sure about the strength that God has given me to get through some pretty horrific things. So I can live fully forgiven and fully loved because of his grace and his mercy. We all need God's grace. Because of the cross, I have been forgiven. And because of the cross, I can forgive others. As God extends his grace to me every day, I can extend that grace to others. I can live in freedom from anger and bitterness because of his grace. It may be a daily battle, but because of the power of Jesus, I can overcome that. 
Jesus died on the cross knowing how much he would suffer because he knew the power of God would shine through his suffering. I am the reason that Jesus died on that cross and you are the reason that Jesus died on that cross. He done it so that we could be saved, so that we could live and receive forgiveness and experience his power. The cross for me also means life because if it wasn't for the power of the cross and all the beautiful things that it brings, I would have given up a long time ago. But now I don't have to because I have a beautiful father who heals me when I'm hurting. He strengthens me when I'm weak and he comforts me when I'm lonely. I still have hard days. Of course I do. We all do. But we are surrounded by sin. So of course we do. I don't jump out of bed in the mornings ready to fight the world. I roll out of bed onto my knees and ask God to fight for me because without him, I am weak and I know that I am. Every good thing in my life is because of God. The redemptive power of the cross has given every one of us a chance of a relationship with our Father. And because of the cross, we have been given an opportunity to be free from the bondage of sin. He is a God of pure love. I know that bad things happen because of the sin of the world, but I also know that because of the cross, God can turn the most horrific for our good and his glory. Ephesians 2, and Evan shared a bit of this on Friday night. I'm going to read the message. And it says, it wasn't so long ago that you were marred in that old stagnant life of sin. You let the world, which doesn't know the first things about living, tell you how to live. You filled your lungs with polluted unbelief and then exhaled disobedience. We all did it. All of us doing what we felt like doing when we felt like doing it. All of us in the same boat. It's a wonder God didn't lose his temper and do away with a lot of us. Instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did all this on his own with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. Now God has us where he wants us, with all the time in the world and all the next to shower, and with all the time in the world and the next to shower grace and mercy upon us in Christ Jesus. If it wasn't for the beautiful cross of grace, I wouldn't be here today declaring the love of the most perfect Father. Jesus endured the cross because God had a plan to restore and heal each one of us. But we have to want that. When we accept that and lean on the promises of God and believe in the power of the cross, we receive his grace. We become strong, we receive healing, and we receive freedom and life. Don't let fear hold you back because the power of the cross has defeated fear and will outweigh every single one of your excuses. Because of the cross, I have experienced his power in my life. I am experiencing his power and his love, his healing, his comfort every single day. And you can too. Jesus is here. He is in this room and he is ready to help you. So don't wait on something else to do what only God can do. Now I'm going to finish with a quote from A.W. Tozer. It says, anything God has ever done, he can do now. Anything God has ever done anywhere, he can do here. And anything God has ever done for anyone, he can do for you. Thank you. Awesome, church. I'm going to invite you to stand. We're going to worship together. So if I could ask you all to stand to your feet, praise God.
church you can take your seats allow me to pray before pastor matt comes to bring us the word lord we thank you for a gathering of your people on what is such a significant sunday god we thank you that your son jesus has risen from the dead and with that god death is defeated forever god we thank you for the place in which we are found the position in which we are found and that we know you and that we are loved by you in your son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you for being here tonight. The kids are heading out to kids space. So Rebecca is at the back there. So any kids in here would like to head out that way. Uh, just a couple of announcements. Uh, I am 50 tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> That, that wasn't the announcement, like, I was just that. Uh, because I am 50 tomorrow, um, 
There was a supper happening in the youth hall. That has nothing to do with me, okay? Uh, but everything to do with my wife and whoever else she has roped into. Um, but I would love all of you to stay behind afterwards and enjoy your supper uh, with me uh, on the last night of my 40s, okay? <laughs> I currently have five hours and ten minutes left and then I joined the club that some of you are in. Some of you have been in for a while, okay? So please uh, stay behind afterwards and uh, enjoy the supper. Thank you to everybody who has made uh, all the stuff. I was quite happy just to do something quiet, keep it all under key, because when you get to a certain age, you don't, you know, you're going to keep it under low, because I don't feel 50, though lots of people said to me at the door, you do look 50. Um, so I thank them for the encouragement of that. So please, um, please stay behind afterwards after for uh, this. Uh, when I was there and I was listening to Claire, what a great testimony and Claire's a wee trophy of grace. They came to Belfast 24 years ago. Uh, my sentence must nearly be up, actually. <laughs> I came to Belfast 24 years ago. Claire was one of the young people. And uh, I know the journey that she has been on. And it's just wonderful. And there's probably no more appropriate person to stand up here on Easter Sunday and just say, this is what the power of the cross does in a person's life. Because it just changes a person's life. It turns their life upside down. Uh, and as we go through this journey to the cross that we are on at the moment, and we keep going here because the, the, the cross is effective, uh, not just at Easter, but all year round. It changes people's lives. And uh, we're continuing on into next Sunday. And um, as I hit this landmark of 50, I thought I would just share a little bit of testimony. And it's a uh, a part of a test, my testament that I've never shared before. So I thought this would be a good night to share it uh, as I come into my 50s uh, tomorrow morning. That sounds really bad, doesn't it? Like, <laughs> on my last day of my 40s this morning, I ate strawberry trifle for breakfast <laughs> because I was the last day of my 40s and stuff. So I was delighted. Do you know, a couple of years ago... Um, Social media, Facebook did this thing where they found out what was the number one song uh, when you were born. You can type in uh, the, the date you were born. It tells you what was number one in the charts. And, uh, and so I did it. I typed it in. And uh, number one in the charts when I was born, I think this is class, was Amazing Grace by the Royal uh, Scots Dragoon uh, Band. And I thought to myself, what a wonderful uh, thought, what a wonderful, uh, just, I don't have no words can express, just that's what God uh, has done in my life, is just amazing grace. And just to be born that week, you know, and that thought of amazing grace just sums up my life, it sums up the power of the cross. Many of us could just stand up here today and talk about that, you know, and so, so powerful um, as what God has done in my life. I didn't I uh, wasn't born into a Christian family, as I say, born in Birmingham. I haven't lost the accent uh, and stuff. And I remember when we moved house when we were 10 years old, no thought of God in our house at all, opposite, no thought of church. And uh, we moved house when we were 10. I remember my mum taking me up to a church called uh, 
Duke Street Chapel. Now, I know chapel means something different over here, like, so, so bear with me and stuff. And it was, uh, and they ran a Sunday afternoon uh, boys' club called the Covenanters. Uh, it's my first experience of church, and, and, and really, I've got to be honest, as most young fellows do, you go along, uh, because if you go along, you get a chance to play football on a Monday night, and so that's why I went, because they did uh, a football night on Monday night, so I went along, and, and I started talking about the Bible, of which I had no knowledge of, nothing and stuff, and, and I'm very thankful as I grew up, because I really had no interest in being a Christian or, or following God, but I kept going along uh, to this. And, uh, you know, we, we absolutely slaughtered these people that were the Sunday school teachers. I mean, we made their life absolute, uh, you know. And how these people stuck at it? Well, I know how they stuck at it, you know, because I stuck some of the young people that are here now that are grown up. So I know why they, how they stuck at it and stuff. But, uh, and, and I'm so thankful that they did. And, and I made no decision, I just listened every week or, well, tried to listen and was in between the messing about and that and going along to the, the, the football thing and stuff. But I'm so thankful that we went away on uh, camps and weekends and you heard different things and, and, you know, and they'd always use something visual to show you. And it, it never really impacted me, but I realise now that the seed was obviously being planted. That's why our kids and youth work is so important because all of those kids, whether they respond now or not, you know, those seeds are being planted in those kids. Uh, and it might be 10 years, might be 20 years, it might be further down the line. And that's why it's so important to do because it's just, a, I, I'm a testimony of that, as are other people, that the seeds get planted and, and things happen. And that's all I did. And of course, we got to 16, 17, and at 17, I moved, I moved out of home, wanted, couldn't wait to get away from, 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 from home and stuff. And, and, and so I did that. And I went to work at a, a children's activity centre. Uh, there, there was a Christian, it was nominally Christian, which means a shared we thought. Uh, and so it's hard to believe that back then when I was a lot thinner and a lot fitter, uh, we used to teach the kids abseiling and canoeing and all of those outdoor pursuits. I know it's hard to believe I did that, but I did do that. And, uh, and you would share, some of the people would share their faith, but I, I was going down a point in my life that I'd suddenly... I uh, wasn't really interested at all in the Christian side of things. I was just wanted to be, what, what, do what young fellows want to do. And I just sort of turned away. Something happened in my life at uh, 18. And it just pushed me away from God to the point that I was just angry. Though I never followed him. Though I never sort of thought, you know, that this was part of my life. I was angry at him because something had happened. And I just wanted to blame somebody. Uh, and so I blamed God. And through the, because when anybody ever tried to talk to me about God, it was, you know, usually I would respond with a mouthful of expletives. Because it just had no interest though they said that there was a God that cared for you that loved you that had a plan for your life the stuff that you would share but I, I was not interested and I went my way and did my own thing and I remember working the name of the the, the boss at the place I worked at was a guy called Roland Simmons 
and he was a manager of the place and he's sort of a uh, very devout Christian and, and you know and he's just his example of loving people was just that uh, but I was a wee tear away I was absolute nightmare for him working uh, for him and stuff you know just and and I got to the point where I did a couple of things I shouldn't do I'm not going to tell you what they are because you have a daughter sitting there and it's going out live and the other daughter want to know what it was and so I, and, and he, he sacked me he fired me he gave me the boot I got the boot, the sack from a Christian children's camp, and I'm now your, I'm now your pastor. Okay. <laughs> and I remember just leaving it, and, and I thought I love what I did, and I, 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 I love what I did, and I, and I went away, and I just went further and further off the rails. Uh, couldn't go home, didn't want to go home. Back to Birmingham, ended up uh, living with a couple of friends in Nottingham, uh, and just a pointless life. But well, it wasn't pointless. There were things that I just was doing which you did not need much imagination uh, for that and just ended up doing those things thinking but asking the question well, what's the point in life what's what is life really all about we're going to live for a certain length of time and then we're going to sort of die that so there has to be something there I remember getting a phone call from this guy Roland Simmons one day and uh, it was about six months after he'd fired me uh, and sacked me and uh, spoke to him on the phone at first I wasn't overly impressed that he'd phoned me because he'd sacked me even though it was all my fault it wasn't really his fault but he'd sacked me and he, he just he just phoned me he says praying for you and he says God has a plan for your life and I'm like I won't repeat what I sort of said down the phone because I was so angry at God and so angry at him I think I just put the phone down if I remember phoned me again a few days later he says I'm praying for you he says God has a plan for your life there is something that you have to do for him and I said I don't want to live for God I have no interest in God he, you know let down failed uh, you know why and why would God be interested in me and you know this guy just he just tortured me and then he, he phones up one day in December 1992 and he said have you ever ever heard of youth with a mission uh, which is a Christian organization that takes young people on missions well I wasn't even a Christian I wasn't even declaring to follow God was no interest and, and he said to me he said listen I'm so convinced that God has a plan for your life I have paid 1,500 pound for you to join the next discipleship training school for four months that starts in January now listen you don't have to go if you don't it says I'll lose the money that's fine and I thought to myself talk about pressure talk about blackmail talk about being bribed into something I thought I don't want to go and do this I had a plan to go and do uh, another job uh, that uh, working in the outdoor pursuits thing that I was doing I thought I don't want to do this I'm not interested really in what God has for me and he said but he said that's fine he said don't do don't do any of that he said if you don't want to do it that's fine the money's paid for this discipleship training school starts uh, January the 4th 1993 uh, it starts on January the 4th and he said if you're there you're there if you're not then I'll not bother you anymore and then what happened in that three weeks so I do know what happened now God just began just to work in my life all I could think of was just the God has a plan for your life but I want to do my own thing I kept arguing and I thought well I'm not good enough I'm a failure I mean I messed up made mistakes I mean big big ones and stuff that I just saw 20 years old and I thought I'd just done all the stuff that was needed to be done 
And uh, there was something, I was living with this couple and, 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 and they were Christians. Uh, and so they sort of said to me, they said, look, you know, because I had no intention of going. I said, Matt, if you feel this is the right thing, and I didn't feel it was the right thing. He said, they made it worse because he says, we'll drive you from Nottingham to Glasgow, uh, which is about 350 miles. So I thought to myself, I don't really want that pressure, to be honest with you. But for some reason, on the, the Saturday morning, uh, the January, there just, uh, I just decided to go for this. I went up there, and I was there three days. And I mean, like, they were, they, they were like charismatic Christians, do you know what I mean? Uh, hands down for coffee and all of that sort of stuff, do you know what I mean? Really sort of, and I thought, I can't stick this, I can't do this. And I'd planned to go on the Saturday morning to leave on the Saturday morning, Friday night of January, I thought, I can't do this, I'm gonna live my own life, do my own thing. And on Friday the 8th of uh, January, there was a meeting and they held a meeting. So I thought, you know, I'm gonna go sit at the back and I thought, I did not hear a word that the preacher said. Some of you will know what that means. <laughs> did not hear a word that the preacher said. And they finished with their ministry time, just playing uh, some music at the end and stuff. And I thought, I could not wait to get out of there. thought, I'm leaving tomorrow. That's me. I'm going somewhere. It didn't bother me where. I thought, I've got to get away from here. And suddenly, I closed my eyes. And I, I can only describe as uh, something coming over me that just caused me just to sort of weep, to cry. And, and I don't cry very often, just don't cry. England get knocked out of the World Cup, kids are born, those sort of things, you know, <laughs> in that order. And, uh, <laughs> and, uh, and I just started to cry, just started to cry, to weep. And I mean, if you're in a meeting and you're weeping, you're just like, and I closed my eyes, there was a picture. And it was a picture of a manhole. And I've shared this with some of you before. I've said this with the young people a few times. And it's a manhole. And there's a ladder coming out of the manhole. And I was climbing up the ladder, his dirty, stinking clothes on. And Jesus Christ was just waiting at the top, just with new clothes to wear. A clearer picture than anything. And on that night, on January 8th, 1993, I just surrendered my life to Christ. No understanding, no nothing other than embarrassed more than anything because I sat in this meeting really weeping. Just, but I realised now, just, God just broke me. He just broke me. And I sat there and I thought to myself, I thought this was the beginning of the journey. A journey that brings me here. And what I love is that God has a plan. It takes somebody like me, and some of you will relate to this because it just takes somebody like me. And when God gets hold of somebody's life and he just changes them for his glory, it's why I constantly say there were no great men and women of God. There were just men and women of a great God. Because God does a work in our lives and he changes us after he saves us and he leads us down a path, a direction that just suddenly just is incredible. And I stand there uh, with four hours and 50 minutes of my 40s to go. And just simply thankful for the blessings that God has given me in my life. The direction that he has led me. Uh, the plan that he has for my life. The purpose that he has. It all began back there uh, just in the journey that God used that person, Roland. I haven't seen in over 30 years or heard from him. 
but just God used him and how God uses us to see lives changed uh, you know and had he not done that he says I would not have ended up here some of you are looking for his phone number aren't you <laughs> I would not have ended up here and I'm just so thankful for what God has done in my life and I just wanted to share that short testimony because uh, of what God has done as I do come to this landmark age I suppose and at some point some of you are going to go he's getting too old to listen to now so I thought I may share that this evening I'm just thankful to God for what he's done uh, in my life we'll just take a moment to pray Father we thank you tonight Father the power of the cross changes people's lives established and founded father because your son rose from the grave father as we come today father the heart of what we believe the heart of our faith is our lives have been changed by you the father god as we sung in the first song where we have our failures and our addictions where we try other things to uh, set ourselves free, where we try other things thinking this is the purpose of our life. Father, we come to the cross knowing, knowing that it's that that changes our lives because there's nothing we can do. And Father God, I thank you for your love tonight, for your plan, for your purpose. So we look briefly at your word this evening, Father God. We're so thankful for the lives that you have changed, Father God, even in here. And Father, as we come now, we ask that your spirit would stir upon those hearts, Father. Father, that don't know you yet, Father. That don't know your son as their personal saviour. That don't know that simply the cross was done for them. And so we pray for that tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul writes these words in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 14 to 19 he says if Christ has not been raised then all our preaching is useless and your faith is useless and we apostles would all be lying about God for we have said that God raised Christ from the grave but that can't be true if there is no resurrection of the dead and if there is no resurrection of the dead then Christ has not been raised and if Christ has not been raised then your faith is useless and you are still guilty of your sins in that case all who have died believing in Christ are lost and if our hope in Christ is only for this life we are more to be pitied than anyone in this world Henry Morris said this he says the bodily resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead is the crowning proof of Christianity if the resurrection did not take place and Christianity is a false religion if it did take place then Christ is God and the Christian faith is absolute truth for centuries from when Jesus has rose from the dead people try and dispute or talk down or say this didn't happen or they would come against it with all sorts of opposition to say Christ did not rise from the dead we as a church as believers and we heard it this morning wonderfully from Jackie just simply knowing that it's the foundation of what we believe because nothing else matters if Jesus Christ didn't rise from the dead we're, we're just being religious tonight we're just coming to church and singing some nice songs and talking to our friends having some food afterwards and going home 
because the faith that we have and the hope that we have is useless and pointless unless it's grounded upon the foundation of Jesus Christ being risen from the dead. You see, there are lots of things that people can argue with and turn around and say, well, this didn't happen and we can't believe this and, and how's that supposed to happen? And even people, as we looked at in previous weeks, would turn around and say, no problem, Jesus was a good teacher, he was a nice man, he did some good things for people and stuff. And all of that is true, but it's not the foundation of our faith, our hope, our preaching. It has to be this the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm always fascinated by the story of a man called Josh McDowell. And, and this man, you can get his books, and, and this man started out trying to refute the claims of Christianity. He, he, they said to him, what we need you to do, he thought to himself, I'm sick of this religious nonsense, this spiritual nonsense, I'm gonna, I'm gonna prove once and for all it's not true. So he actually set out uh, to dispute the claims of Christianity, to dispute the claims of everything that had happened. Uh, and he came to this conclusion. He, he said this. I'm going to move through some of this just quickly. He said, everything that Jesus Christ taught, lived and died for was based on his resurrection. All I had to do was prove that it never took place. After more than 700 hours of studying this subject, I've come to the conclusion that the resurrection of Jesus Christ is either one of the most wicked, vicious, heartless hoaxes ever foisted on the minds of human beings, or it is the most remarkable fact of history. You're only left with two choices, aren't you? He says, no matter what people say, no matter how you try to refute the resurrection, he says, it brings you back to the point of saying, did Jesus Christ rise from the dead uh, are we putting our faith and our hope and our belief that our sins are forgiven that Paul has written there to the church in Corinth because that was their problem they were coming down and saying we don't believe in this resurrection we believe in everything else about Jesus Christ and, and, and Paul argues this he tries to show them and say to them he says listen it's the foundation, it's the heart, it's the hope of everything that we believe is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's still true today. Because people will come up with all sorts of things about Christianity. We will change what we believe about certain things that are said in the Bible. We will say that we're living in this postmodern area now where, you know, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe something. It doesn't matter what you live for as long as you live for something. And if you believe something, well, that's okay for you. But somebody else believes something, well, that's okay for them. I said, none of that holds any light when you hold it up to the resurrection of Jesus Christ because there is a clear choice there is a clear decision that says do I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ or don't I believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ that's what it is because Paul says everything else comes from that that you can't bypass it you can't say, well, I like the crucifixion because all my wrong things are dealt with and, you know, that's okay, I can feel clean and that and stuff. But the, the, cross, is not, the, the cross is not explained unless the resurrection is there because the point of the cross is that Jesus defeated death and rose again. And it's the rising again, it's the resurrection that is key. 
You see, I know Rebecca spoke about C.S. Lewis in uh, the first week, but he said the same thing, really. Uh, and, you know, these two people, C.S. Lewis and Josh McDonald, they're, they're not fools, they're educated, intellectual men who have studied it. And C.S. Lewis said in mere Christianity, he says, you have to accept Jesus either as a lunatic or he was actually who he said he was, the son of God. There is no middle ground either. He was a madman or a saviour. There's the choice. There's the decision. You see, believing that he's the saviour, it's knowing that he changes people's lives. If you've heard from Claire tonight and myself tonight, that, that God sent his son as a saviour with the benefits of that. We benefited from that, as, as most of you did as well. But it's got to be grounded in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's central. When Paul wrote later on, sorry, earlier in 1 Corinthians 15, he simply said this, uh, and this helps us. He says, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures two things there he said this is of first importance this is the most important above all else this is what matters this is the most important of first importance then he says twice according to the scriptures according to the scriptures we saw the prophetic fulfillment in in who jesus was in the old testament being fulfilled in his life and his death and his resurrection you can mark all of that. So it actually is harder to disprove Jesus than it is to actually prove him. Because Paul writes to the church and he says, listen, this is of first importance. And already in that letter to the church, he's talked about oh, how you do the breaking of bread and what you do with spiritual gifts and what you do with all the other stuff that goes on in church. But then he says this, this is the most important. This is of first importance. Nothing else matters if you don't believe this. Nothing else matters unless you're grounded in this, which is Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and then he was raised on the third day. It's saying to them, it says, everything else doesn't matter. This is what matters. This is what is of most importance. This is what changes people's lives. So I could keep going on with the arguments, but we have to come to a conclusion we have to come and say, well, well, what is this all about? You know, we have to say, e e e could we sit in the middle here? Could we say, well, I sort of believe, I sort of don't believe, I can believe some of this. Well, well, if Jesus did rise from the dead, it encompasses a whole things that we can be certain and assured of. If he didn't rise from the dead, then listen, he says, you and me are as guilty of all the sins we have committed for all the years that we think we've been saved and we have no hope and we have no faith. That's the alternative. That's the alternative. But if Jesus is who he says he is and has done what he said he would do, we can stand upon the authority of the promises that he made. So when he says this, I am the bread of life, sorry, let me move through. I am the bread of life. He says he actually can satisfy our spiritual hunger. He says, my testimony is this. He tried everything that just sort of filled me up to here, but there was just something missing, just something wasn't there. 
And it says they discovered what wasn't there, it was Jesus. And you say, ah, well, maybe you were deceived. Maybe uh, it was just you because of the sort of person you are. He said, it can't be everybody. It can't be all of us in here that have made that and said he satisfied our hunger. Well, what about the second one when he said, if the sun sets you free, you are free indeed. Well, it, well, it sets people free. When we sing a song, all your failures, all your addictions, all those things that bound you, all those things that you thought, I could never give this up in my own strength yet God sent his son so we could be free so if the son set you free you are free indeed he says what about if he says I am the light of the world well he's the light in the darkness oh boy are people living in darkness at the moment are people living thinking what's the purpose of life the whole world is just dark it's surrounding them it's within them and yet Jesus declares I'm the light of the world he says where else do we get the light from he says, and he's the one that's there. And then he says this, he says, I am the resurrection and the life. He will overcome death and give us eternal life. I, I will die one day, as we all will. But even if I do, when I do, he says the promise of eternal life is mine because Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. If, if, if he didn't rise... He says, see when I die, that's me. That's right, I'm done. I've done me 70 years or 80 or 90 or 100 if I don't eat any more trifles for breakfast. <laughs> I just, just, that'll be me. Here and not here. So nothing, just, whoosh, that's me. Matt Davis, yes, I remember him. So that's what he said, but Jesus says it, I am the resurrection and the life. So he makes a promise that not only was he resurrected, that we will be resurrected as well. He says, and we will get the life as well, it's eternal life, forever. So if he didn't rise from the dead, none of this stuff is true, none of this stuff it matters. We, we might as well just stop lying around and get a tea. But it is true, because he says, finally, he says, I am the way the truth and the life. He is everything that we need. He's the way, the way we're supposed to live, the direction that he gives us. He's the truth. Do we know what the truth is today? Do we find it in social media? Do we find it in politicians? Do, do we find it with things that people say to us? Do we find it in newspapers? No. He says we find it in Jesus Christ because he doesn't not only speaks the truth, that he is the truth. And he says, I am the life as well. He's everything that we need. So we've come to those five things and we said, uh, those things support his claims. Those things simply say, these are the things that we get, just some of them from him. Uh, because he rose from the dead. Because on this Sunday as we come to celebrate Resurrection Sunday, he says, we come to the point where we say, you know what? He rose from the dead. But in rising from the dead, he says all our lives are changed because of that. Because there are countless numbers of us in here at some point, whether it be last year, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30, 70 years ago, the people have turned around and said, I believe that Jesus Christ went to the cross, died for me, was buried and rose again 
And it's that that gives us hope. It's that that gives us forgiveness. It's that that gives us everything that we need because Jesus Christ has done that for us. So we're presented with a choice. And I don't know everybody's situation in here tonight. But on Easter Sunday, we're speaking about the power of the cross changing people's lives. And you could be sitting in church tonight and say, you know what, my life's a real mess. You know, my life was a real mess. You could be saying, my, my life is just hopeless. Well, my life was hopeless. You'd be saying, well, where's just the darkness that's just surrounding me? Well, that's the way I was as well. And that's the way other people have been in their lives and yet God broke in and he saved them uh, all because of what his son had done on the cross because he doesn't bring you close to him and mark you up about how good you are because none of us are good you can try and earn it and work for it and pay for it and think you know well my parents are saved and all of this and you could come with all these reasons none of us are good enough the cross is a level playing field and at the cross of Jesus Christ, he sent out an invitation to everybody to say, come and take your place. He says, but you say, well, I've got all these things I've done wrong. Well, that's why he went to the cross. I'm weak, I'm a failure, I make mistakes, I mess up. Well, that's the place to be. The idea that God sent his son to die on the cross for us and rise again and we then have to earn the rest of the stuff that he does for us it's just nonsense it's just rubbish because we'll never do it you'll spend your life trying to earn it he says he doesn't do that he hasn't done that because he sent his son Jesus Christ and so in sending him we're presented with this opportunity tonight do I choose him because I believe he rose from the dead or do I say, you know what, no, just all these funny Christian people who bounce up and down on the stage, singing, doing all that stuff, saying, that's not really true. It is true. It is true. That's what causes us to do it. He says, then finishing, he says, I'm pretty sure this is the final song. He says, you know, when God does something in your life, he gives you a song to sing. Am I right? The last song. Good. I know. It gives you a song to sing. Now, I can't sing. I wish I could sing. I'm sure anybody standing in front of me wishes I could sing. <laughs> he says, But there's a song that we sing because we don't have to be able to sing, but we do have a song. Yeah. I mean, if I have a song, it's a song that God has redeemed me. Yeah. And on Easter Sunday, the power of the cross is that Jesus Christ still changes people's lives. It's not a dead message. It's not a message that has run out of steam. It's not a message that is not relevant anymore. He can change your life tonight. Yeah. Simple as that. And he gives you a new song to sing. And the song is this. It's a song of the redeemed. That's the only club you can be part of in church because we don't believe in cliques and we don't believe in clubs. But if you want to be part of the redeemed club, that's a good club that is. That's all of us, isn't it? all of us we are redeemed tonight we are redeemed let us pray father we thank you tonight father the impression upon my heart lord is your spirit is working we heard this morning 
about us having ears to listen to what the Spirit is saying. And Lord, we know tonight that there are people that are simply sitting after being presented. Is it true or is it false? And Father, we just pray tonight, Lord, that Father, you will not just reveal to them the truth that it is that they have to believe, but also the truth that it is that it will change their lives. It will turn their lives upside down. It will set them free. You will pour out a love upon them that they've never experienced. You will give them a plan and a purpose for their life like they will never know. That God, they will begin to understand the reason for their life here and how that affects their eternal destiny. And Father, we pray for those people tonight. And Father, for, for us, the rest of us, Father, we're so thankful your son, as of first importance, died for our sins, was buried and rose again. And we benefit and live out that resurrection tonight, Father. For you have changed our lives by the only man in history that was resurrected to defeat sin, death and the grave. And for that we thank you tonight. And though we can't sing, Lord, not all of us can sing. We do sing the song tonight of the redeemed, thanking you for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Alone in my sorrow and dead in my sin, lost without hope, with no place to begin. Your love made a way to let mercy come in. When death was arrested and my life began, ash was redeemed, only beauty remained. And my orphan heart was given a name. My morning grew quiet, my feet rose to dance. When death was arrested and my life began. Oh, your grace so free washes over me. You have made me Over. 
Son's holy and precious name we pray. 